Christ's name we pray. Amen. So we have uh, memory verses for this series, as you know, if you've been here. Uh, Exodus 20, verses, uh, verse 8, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, right? Mark 2.27, then he said to them, Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Psalm 100, verse 4, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. So there are cards over there. If you'd like to join us in memorizing those verses, grab one of those cards, keep it in your pocket, you know, memorize it. We're just trying to get this stuff into our into us, you know, grind it into our psyche and our, our hearts, you know, and, and make sure that we, we are really uh, being directed and guided by the word of the Lord. I'm really glad uh, everybody's here. It, by the way, I'm going to, I haven't done it last week, this week, I haven't done it, but if, if somebody wants to try next week to recite those verses, I will give you gifts. Remember, I have coffee cards from La Colombe. I have a t-shirt here. I have some books. All yours, man. Not all of it, but <laughs> one or two of those things is yours if you want to take a shot at coming up to recite the verses. I know that's like, you know, some people you say, get on the microphone, and they birth like a small bird, but, you know, it's, it's not that bad, right? Um, we're a pretty forgiving bunch. But uh, God wired us, as we've said, God wired us for work and rest, work and rest, right? We've been saying that for, uh, for a few weeks now, and we want to adopt his rhythm in life. We want to take that on to become balanced in how we do life, making Sundays uh, a day to rest, a day to refuel, a day to refocus, right? Uh, I want you to turn. If you, you should have a Bible near you, and, and uh, maybe you have to share with somebody, I don't know, but turn to your Bibles to Isaiah 58, verses 13 and 14. It's page 509 in the church Bibles. Isaiah 58 verses 13 and 14 and and if you've noticed and I just want to be clear if you've noticed that in these last few sermons I we've been putting the Bibles out on the chairs instead of off to the side I've been instead of putting up on the screen I've been trying to uh, call us to open the scriptures because we want to get in the habit of doing that we know that sometimes it just just to open that thing makes a difference all right so page 509 in the church bible isaiah 58 13 through 14 we want to remind ourselves of what we learned last week and that says if you call the sabbath a delight so that day of rest we're we're calling that sunday you know early church just not for any other reason than you know just i don't know i don't know what the reasons were they moved that that concept of sunday that day of rest that sabbath day of rest If you call the Sabbath a delight, if you choose to consider that day a wonderful day to connect with the Lord, to rest, things like that, and the Lord's day honorable, it says, and if you honor it by not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will be able to find uh, your joy in the Lord and and I will cause you to ride in triumphs on the height of the land. I can't speak this morning. Um. But Isaiah wrote that, those words, you know, somewhere around 3,000 years ago, a long time ago. And God's promise of blessing, I, I think, still stands firm today. That he honors these, these commitments we make to him, these, these, these choices that we make to worship him, to focus on him. And um, I think he still does that today. Those promise still, promises still stand firm. You know, raising families... In this fast-paced culture is a difficulty to say the least. We, any of us who have been parents or even grandparents now, right, uh, we know that it's not that easy. Everything, 
in, in the world around us seems to either be designed to distract our children or destroy their faith, right? It just seems that way. Some of us worry about that quite a bit. Um, but even in this climate, I want to give you some encouragement that we can use Sundays to build up families and that, that good Sundays make uh, for better families. And I'm not, by the way, if you're single, don't tune out. All right, don't tune out. I'm not just speaking to parents. We all have some sort of an influence in our immediate families, in our extended families, and also in other people's families in this room. We are in fellowship with one another. But I will say there is a little bit of a focus on children today, and that's a good thing, you know, because we're all, we're all raising these kids. There's about 40 of them downstairs right now learning something, and, and we're all raising those kids as a community together. Um, and I will say, though, that the greatest thing which can happen in the heart of a child begins in the heart of a parent, right? Isn't that true? The greatest thing that can happen in the heart of a child begins in the heart of a parent. That is so, so true. And that's not my quote, by the way, but I don't know whose it is, so I'll just say it's mine for now. Um, But open your Bibles to Proverbs 22, verse 6, page 447, Proverbs 22, 6. So you got Psalms and then Proverbs, right? Um, Page 447, and this verse contains, I believe, one of the most important parental principles that you could ever learn as a parent. So you might be a parent, you might be a grandparent, you might want to be a parent someday, and so this is an important thing. Um, Composed by Solomon, uh, purported to be the wisest man ever, so we should probably listen to him. It says this, start your children off on the way that they should go, and even when they are old... They will not turn from it. Start your children off on the way that they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. Now, I know that some of you are saying to yourself, that's not true, right? My parents took me to church and all that stuff. But I think what you're going to hear in the rest of the sermon will challenge whether or not that really happens in a lot of families. Are we really starting our children off on the way that they should go, or do we just take them to church on Sunday? There's a big difference in how we lead and disciple our children, right? Um, But if you took me uh, by the shoulders and you pointed me due north and you said walk, I would end up in the North Pole if I could walk across water, I guess. But, um, you know, that what Solomon is saying is that initial push in the right direction is the most important push, right? It's the most. Now, I know that some of you know me very well. You know I, know I have no clue about football, but I'm going to use a football metaphor right now. So brace yourselves. And if I get it wrong, you can kick me later, but you can just shout out. But Peyton and Eli Manning, right? Both quarterbacks, am I correct? Right? Both quarterbacks in the NFL. Their father, Archie Manning, right? Also, was he a quarterback? Yeah, he was a quarterback as well, right? So it runs in the family. Apparently, there was another family member, and now there's a nephew that's showing a lot of promise. But I would venture to guess that Archie's lifestyle, his words, the way he did life, being in the football realm and all that stuff, pushed those guys to, his sons, to a life of football, right? It just makes sense. George Clooney's aunt, you may not know this, Rosemary Clooney was an actor as well, and she probably created some sort of an atmosphere and pushed George Clooney to, um, to that lifestyle of, of being an actor. See, the direction you start your children in determines the destination to which they'll likely to arrive later in life. And it's never too late, by the way, to course correct. 
It's never too late to course correct. So today I want to look at seven principles or seven practices of of successful parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles and and friends. You are friends, right? And uh, leaders in the church and things like that. Uh, The first of all, the first one that I want to cover is probably the most important. And if you can remember this one, remember this one because it is it is simple. But it, if you get this one right, it will go well for you in every area of life. And that is simply put God first. That's it. Put God first, right? Matthew chapter 6, verses, verse 33. If you want to turn there, it's page 661 in your church Bible. Uh, first book of the, the, the Gospels, the first book of the New Testament, right? Um, Page 661, Matthew 633, we, we say, like we like to say first things first, right? And, and I would say that God wants to be the first of all the firsts in your life. He wants, he desires to be the first of all your firsts in life. Not, that's not because he's all prideful and whatnot. That's not the reason. Um, but it's for your sake, and it's for the sake of all those people that you would influence as well. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said in Matthew 6.33, he said, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. It's almost as if you focus your whole life on Jesus. You put everything you are into Christ, and everything else in life will fall into place. I, 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 I honestly believe that. And I'm not that unintelligent, (laughs) right? I honestly believe it. If you focus your whole life on Christ, everything else, not that everything will always be easy, but it will go well, better for you, well for you. You will uh, mature and grow and be able to handle life and things will fall into place. Now, in reference to our children, the best gift you can give your children is not to make them the center of the world, right? Right? Not to make them the center of attention. The best gift we can give our children and our grandchildren isn't to love them first. It's to love Christ first. It is to love Christ first. To put Christ before my children. Your children are far more likely to follow the direction you set rather than the directions you give. Let's say that twice. Your children are far more likely to follow and live the direction you set rather than the directions you give. Don't smoke pot, don't drink, don't go have sex, don't do this, don't do that. Those are directions you say, you tell them, right? They're much more likely to watch your lifestyle. Watch what you love, what you value, things like that, right? Put God first and your children will be more likely to do the same. They may not look like it, you know, in high school sometimes or even college or whatever. They may not look like it, but they will probably come back to it. The acorn never falls far from the tree, right? More than likely, your kids will grow up and look a lot like you and value the things that you value and live as you've lived. We all grow up, and when we hit 40 years old, what do we say? Oh, gosh, I'm exactly like my dad. I'm exactly like my mom, right? Whether that's good or bad, whether you feel good about that or not, it, there is something that our parents influence us with, right? And so we want to be a great influence on our children. Now turn to page 52 in your Bibles. 
We want to look at Exodus chapter 20. Now, Exodus chapter 20 is the Ten Commandments. It's a great chapter to know. Just remember that. Get that, you know, emblazoned in your forehead. Like, Exodus chapter 20 is the Ten Commandments. Verses 2 and 3, we're going to look at the very first of the Ten Commandments, page 52, if you're turning there. And this is the first of the Ten Commandments. It says, I am the Lord your God. And this is exactly what he's saying. Put me first, right? I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I saved you, right? You shall have no other gods before me. You shall have no other gods before me. Now, God wants to be the first. That's the obvious thing here because whatever you put first in your life influences you most. And he wants to influence you most. So what does it mean to put God first? Well, in your little I Love Sundays books, which there's plenty more over there if you want to take one home, um, uh, Hal Seed, the author, writes this. He says, putting God first means spending time with him, caring for what he cares about, using your money the way that he would use it if it were his. Putting God first means honoring him on the Sabbath, Honoring him with your words, with your attitudes, with your ethics at work. Putting God first means honoring him with how you treat your body, what you eat, and how you exercise. I know these tall orders, and there's grace that you won't be perfect, right? But if you're trying to honor God, your children will see that and imitate it. And when you fail, they'll see that, (laughs) and they'll know that it's okay for them to be imperfect as well. You know, when a flight attendant gives directions, you know, uh, for the safety thing, right? What do they say? They say, should the oxygen mask appear above your head, make sure that you have yours on first before you try to help anybody with theirs, right? In other words, what they're saying is you've got to make sure that you're alive and breathing, that you haven't passed out, right? That you're alive and breathing before you're ever able to help the person sitting next to you, your kids maybe sitting next to you. Your first practice is to put God first in your life. It's not a selfish notion. Your, your spiritual formation is the utmost importance, not just for you, not just because it's honoring to Christ, but because of your influence on other people around you. Your soul care in Jesus is absolutely vital. That's the first most important thing. And once you get that right, your second practice is to let your kids see your relationship with God. Let you, I, I tend to think that I'm a pretty, uh, kind of wear my heart on the sleeve. You know, I, I, I'm pretty open about things, right? And th- this is a great practice to get in, in the habit uh, of, of doing. Um, I, I, growing up, I never, I couldn't stand people that hid things from me. It just drove me crazy, right? I love for things to be out in the open, right? Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 through 9, page 125 in your, in your church Bible, um, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 through 9, page 125. Turn there. I really do want you to turn that to this one. This is an important one, right? Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 through 9. Uh, and I'll just preface by saying that when Moses um, was preparing to send the Israelites into the promised land, he wanted to, to, them to know how to pass on their faith to their progeny, to their kids, to their descendants. So he decided to spell it out very clearly for them. And he said this, he said, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. They're not just intellectual claptrap, right? They're to be written on your hearts, right? 
Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you, and, and when you get up. Now, when do you talk about them? At church on Sunday, you let the Sunday school teacher talk about them? No. You as a family talk about these all the time. When they're going to bed, when they wake up, when you're driving them to school, when you're eating lunch together, eating dinner together, before you, while you're driving to the movie or driving at, you know, home from the movie, whatever is in your family, be a spiritual f- person for your kids. Talk about these, impress these on your children, live them out. It's very practical and it's sometimes very difficult to do. You know, in Jewish homes, oh, let me finish that. It says, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. So in Jewish homes, they would have these things, these little decorative scripture boxes, uh, you know, attached to the door frames. I had one in my house because the guy I bought my house from was Jewish. And, and inside there, there's a, there's a little scripture, you know, right? Tucked inside there. And they take this passage so seriously that they literally put scriptures on the door frames of their houses. It's kind of cool. And this passage of scripture became one of the most important for, in all of Israel's history. They talked about their faith with their children. They led them in it. They let their kids see their relationship with God. They practice it in front of them. Generation after generation passed down what was important to their children, right? And more than 3,500 years later, they are still leading their children in these things. I think if you're of Jewish descent, you get a free trip to Israel, if I'm not mistaken, after high school or something like that, right? I mean, it's, it's a powerful thing. These are very practical, good, powerful lessons for kids, right? Kim and I have sought to be, there she is, Kim and I have sought to be uh, very open about our faith with our children, discussing our, our own faith and, and the Bible and how, how it impacts us, how it guides us in life, how Christ is central to us. We, we've tried to be authentic with them. We've, we've tried not to hide our struggles or our faults as we've done it and as we walk with Jesus before kids. We we're not perfect. If I had it to do over again, I definitely would do things better. I don't think I'm perfect in these things. We make up for each other a little bit in some ways. Kim's some, better at some, some things in parenting than I am. But we do believe that they must see our joys and our struggles, our failures, to be able to walk with Jesus well as, as adults themselves. You know, parents typically have 3,000 waking hours with their children, not when they're at school, not when they're in sleep in bed, but 3,000 waking hours with their kids a year. Church, your Sunday school teacher has about 40 on average. So it's, you know, mom and dad will always be the greatest spiritual influence on their children. They really will. And you've got to take that seriously. Thirdly, in our culture... It's kind of obvious that we don't usually discuss how much money we make or actually where we spend it, right? And Jesus said in Matthew 6, 21, no need to turn there, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, which kind of says wherever I spend my money, that's where my heart is, right? That's what I value the most. If you're going to start your children outright in life, it'll help them to see your heart by seeing your budget. That's a little unheard of that we talk about our budget and show our budget to our children. 
So the third practice in raising healthy children is to show them how to allocate and how to spend money in a healthy way. It's a big deal. Jesus talked about money quite a bit, actually. The only real, really, the, really the only way to do that is to let your kids see your spending, right? In Luke 6.40, Jesus said, everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. Everyone who was fully trained will be like their teacher. At about 17 or 18 years old, right, after your kid is fully trained, and, and it, it, it is true. Like, my kids, once they hit, like, 18 years old, 17, 18 years old, it was like, psh, there was nothing else I could say. They were just off. You know, they're off and running. Like, in a good way. Santa's at college right now. She's in her second year. I, I called her last night because I thought she was coming home last night. She's like, what are you calling me for? I'm like, I thought you were coming home tonight. No, no Dad, that's tomorrow night. Oh, I forgot because I forget a lot. And she, she said, yeah, I'm in the library. Leave me alone. Boom. I haven't talked to her in like for, forever. She's just out there on her own doing life. I, I don't have hardly any input anymore. It's crazy. I feel, I miss my little girl. But, um, but you know, after they're fully trained, chances are they're going to be a lot like you. They really will. So teach them your best skills, your best practices now. Uh, you know, their best chance of learning how to give, how to save, how to spend, how to invest is to see how you do those things. And maybe you don't do them that well. Maybe this will be a challenge to do them better so that your kids will see something useful, right? But the truth is we live in a very uh, affluent society, don't we? If you get a chance, go to globalrichlist.com and uh, and plug in your income, including your benefits. Like if your income, let's say your income is $30,000 a year, add on whatever benefits your work pays to you, and that's your income, right? Or any other things like, you know, uh, stock, whatever. And, and you'll see where you fall in the world. And it basically it says like a, a person with $32,000 of income a year is in the top 1% of the wealthiest people in the world. Isn't that crazy? The top 1% of the wealthiest people in the world. A person with $32,000 of income a year can pay the salary of 143 doctors in Pakistan. Isn't that nuts? Which means that no matter how you slice it up, our kids are growing up in an affluent culture. They're growing up wealthy. No matter how, how much you really make in this room, most likely your kids are growing up in a, a wealthy, right? Jesus said in, in Luke chapter 12, verse 48, he says, For everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. I've got a lot. My kids have a lot, in a sense, right? Much is going to be required of my children, and I want to prepare them for that, right? One of the most important skills that you can pass on to your kids is wise handling of money. Albert's going to do that class, Financial Peace, uh, in January. Yeah, preach it, brother. He's going to give us a bigger outline of that next week at the end of the service. That'll be good. But um, that, it's important. One of the most uh, important pieces of, of managing your money is generosity. Generosity. I didn't, think, I didn't grow up thinking about how can I be generous. I had to learn that in the Christian church. I really I came, became a Christian when I was 21, and suddenly those that discipled me started teaching me how to tithe, how to give my money back to the Lord, and how to be generous with my money. And man, that was a difficult lesson to learn at first, but it's a blessing now, I'll tell you that. How much you give not only indicates the size of your heart, 
but it develops the size of your heart. You want to be a great, wonderful person in this world? When you die, you want a lot of people come to your funeral? Be a, be a generous person. Be a good person. Act like it. You know, make these choices, right? Go to, I want you to turn to the, this is the, an important one too. Please, everybody, if you can, grab a Bible and turn, turn to Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. It's the very last book in the Old Testament, page 654 in your church Bible. It's a page before Matthew, right? Um, Malachi 3.10, page 654. And um, chapter 3, verse 10 says this. And this is God speaking. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. And says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it, room enough to store it. Now, this is so important to God. What he just said there is so important to him that it's the only time, I, I believe, that I know of that he gives a command with permission to test him in it. He says, you don't believe me? Test me in this. I will show you. Now, let me tell you right now, this week, I had somebody decide that they wanted to give another person some money. Somebody was in, a, you know, some, somewhat of a financial need. So they said, I'm going to give that person money. So they talked about it with their spouse. And they said, you know, we want to give this much money. That was going to be a stretch for them to, to do that in a certain way, probably. And, and, the, and they decided that and they said it. And I guess, I don't know if they wrote a check or whatever. But the next day... He got to work. His boss said to him, you've been doing such a good job. We want to give you this amount of a, just a one-time bonus. And it was the exact same amount. The exact same amount. And they said to me, they said, oh, I don't know if that's a coincidence. That's not a coincidence. For goodness sakes, can God speak any louder, right? For goodness sakes. Oh. But God promises, he does, he promises, and I'm not talking health and wealth gospel, I'm not talking about, oh, we can get rich, that's not what we're saying, but God promises that when you faithfully bring your full tithe into the local church, he will pour out blessing on you. Now, not necessarily, maybe it's financial, maybe it's blessing in other ways, I have no idea, But, but you will not be lacking, that's what I'm saying. So every year or two, walk your kids through your budget and let them see how you figure out your priorities and where you spend your money. And it'll say a lot. And it'll challenge you. I just want to tell you this, and my wife said I shouldn't say this, but I, I think it's important that, <laughs> that, that, um, that you know that I'm not just talking, talking trash, that I'm not telling you to do something that I don't actually do. Kim and I give 20% of our income back to this church. I believe that my tithe, 10%, needs to come back to my local church. I don't tithe anywhere. If I was only going to give 10%, it would come to 6 8 I've increased that to 20% just because Kim and I agreed on that a while back. We want 20% to go back to 6 8 Over and above that, I do support some things. I have a friend in Colorado who does an international ministry. I have, hey, how you doing, TJ? I, <laughs> I support him, right? Uh, over and above that, I give some things. So we give, we give around 21 to 23% a year to kingdom work, to, to Christian work in the world, because we value this, right? We really do value this. I don't want that to sound arrogant, like, oh, look how much I get. 
I do think that as pastor, you need to know that your leadership does do this stuff, that we, we man up. We're not just all talk, right? Um, practice number four, number four, is tied to this and may even be more important. Let your children tithe. Let them tithe themselves. Get them into the practice. You could, you could do simply the 10 plan. I don't know if you've ever heard of that, but tithe 10%, save 10%, live on 80%. You know, so they, they get to spend 80, 80% of their little allowance money, but they save 10% and they tithe 10%. If you want to teach your children this plan, um, start them off with an, an allowance, which divides by, um, easily by 10. If you give them $5 allowance, let's, let's say every, every week, you give them four $1 bills and then give them four quarters. And have them take two quarters and put it in a tithe envelope and two quarters and put it in a savings envelope. And then, you know, urge them to bring that tithe to church and uh, on Sunday. And every kid's room downstairs has a tithe box because we want to encourage our kids to be in the habit of giving to back to the Lord, right? Uh, due to affluence in this world, we live in a very affluent area. Generosity is a great challenge. It really is. Studies show that the more we earn, the smaller percentage we give. The more we earn, the smaller percentage we give. To be honest, I, I had to go back and do some makeup on my tithe because I, I hadn't accounted for some things. So I wrote a big check, a bigger check, not a big check, but you know, a check to make up since August or something like that. And then uh, I increased my tithe because I hadn't done it in a while. You have to think about these things, right? Um, But the more we earn, the smaller percentage we actually give. But the sooner you learn, the sooner you start giving, the easier it is to give, right? It becomes a habitual thing in your life. Children who learn to give before they spend rarely have trouble being generous adults. And we want to be generous adults, right? Teach your children to tithe. Let them do it. Celebrate every time they bring that tithe to church and they put it in that box. Pat them on the back and say, God loves, he is so proud of you for making that sacrifice. Because he is, right? How great do you think that they would feel if they knew that their money contributed to the renovation work that we just did downstairs on their own kids' rooms? How How great do you think they would feel if they knew that their money went to a family in need in this community? Practice number five is uh, serve at church together. A few years ago, Eric Swanson uh, of Leadership Network published um, a study about children who grew up in church and and, uh, walked with Jesus later on in life as adults, right? And the study found that these children experienced two things in their family of origin. The first was that their family served God somewhere together in church, that they, they, they practiced, they lived this stuff out together. Children whose parents served at church and found ways to, for their children to serve with them were much more likely to grow up to be kids that loved God and, 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 uh, and just you know practiced their faith and lived their faith out. Serving together gets them around, you know, like different kinds of people, people you wouldn't normally be around. It, it fosters compassion towards others. It builds love for others. It develops healthy risk-taking uh, habits. It, it builds confidence in children. It, it, you know, so much more. It just does a lot for them, right? And fortunately, here at 6-8, there are several ways that adults and children can serve together. One 
Uh, once your child's old enough, right, you, you, they can serve in Sunday school with, with younger children. We've had some uh, moms and sons, moms and daughters, or dads and sons, dads and daughters serving in that way. If, you, uh, um, if you've got kids that age in Sunday school, you, you could sign up to teach Sunday, Sunday school as a, as, a, as a family, you know, kind of do it together. Uh, kids can serve alongside parents in many ways in our kingdom opportunities out in the community, right? They can do slides back there. I, we, we would love to have the kids doing slides or, or doing uh, sound for the service if your kid is particularly, you know, bent kind of stuff. Great practice, right, to get them uh, uh, doing some, something unique. The, you might, they might greet together. I would have our kids out in the front greeting or up at this door here greeting people as the Nicolettis play music together, the, you know, mom and dad and, and their son, right? Uh, Tanner, my son, w- serves on worship and in the kids' ministry here alongside Kim and myself on every Sunday. Um, kids and parents can serve together in vacation Bible school Kim's putting together for this coming sum- summer. Uh, church is one of the few places left out there, right, where a child can truly contribute and feel valued today. They really can. And results for, uh, of that are eternal. Um, and, and, and it's great for your family's health. It's great for your family's identity to get your kids serving. Another great avenue for church, uh, church provides for family members is to serve in a, in a sense of going, either going or um, taking them on a cross-cultural missions trip. I don't know if, if you've been on one yourself but it's a powerful, powerful thing to do. And this is one area where we really need to bolster up for 6-8. Um, we need to get some, some things going. Um, but that's the second item on the Leadership Network study of what helped kids to grow up to love God and love, uh, love people was to go on a missions trip, just to, to be out there in a different environment, a cross-cultural environment. Amazing, amazing things happen on those trips. They, they come back, they, they see how good they have it, right? They might, might even thank you for some things. Um, they realize that they can make a difference, that they can actually do something. It gives them a new perspective on life, about, about making life meaningful. It, it makes the, the things that they're attracted to here trivial, and these things much more deep and powerful. That's, that's important stuff. Final practices, help your children find godly mentors. Kim spoke of this a little bit last week. But let me just say that parents are the first line of, of offense in a, in a child's spiritual formation. Parents are the first line of offense and defense, for all that matters. Work on behalf of your children, right? Work on behalf of your children. Talk to others. Urge them to pray for your child. Promote encouragement for others. Like, you know, you could go up to somebody and say, hey, my son or my daughter really, like, looks up to you. You may not know that, but... Could you, they have a big test or they have a play coming up. They're kind of nervous. Could you pray for them? Could you just come over and pray for my child and, and encourage them? That would go a long way. Maybe that person would even say, I'd love to come to the play, right? Give that kid a hug and say, you did a great job. How far does that go, right? But you have to, here's, here's the thing. Now, don't feel guilty, but make some choices with life. You do have to come consistently to church and even come to community group, get involved in church life consistently with your kids so they, they can get around others and that they can, uh, they can uh, see the church in action, right? That was great for my kids growing up, by the way.
But often in teenagers, uh, teenage years, kids uh, don't want to listen to parents. I don't know if you've noticed that or not. Um, <laughs> some worse than others, right? They just, they just like their little brains go to mush between 11 and 17, and they just kind of like don't want to listen anymore. That's normal. It's normal. They're not being jerks. They're just, you know, they're just being kids. That We all did it, right? And this is where church can actually shine in a child's life because at the same time kids, you know, do that, they start to begin to look up to other kids and, and young adults, right? And so Sundays are special in the sense that because this is where kids uh, can be introduced to others in our crowd, which, which can help them. Great things can happen to kids in this critical stage that are in need of mentoring or discipling. Sam Christie, I think he's downstairs this morning, um, has a heart to minister to our, our high schoolers, junior high schoolers even, and, and be pray- so be praying for him in that effort because it's a tall order, you know, to do this kind of stuff. Uh, Sunday can be the highlight of your week, right? And here are four suggestions to make that happen. Firstly, make Sunday your family day. Make Sunday your family day. Anchor your, your Sundays in church. Anchor your Sundays in church, right? Then continue spending time, quality time together at home, right? Make it fun. Take time to breathe together. Build time for connection. You know, play, connect, seek balance, relax, be spontaneous. Do something together, right? Secondly, and I think this is a really important point, talk meaningfully together. St- don't just cut each other down. Don't just make jokes towards each other. Ask each other good questions about what you're seeing, what you're learning in church life. We're, we now have an app for the, uh, the toddlers and the pre-K kids to, that parents can get on their phone and they can see what they've learned and it even gives you questions to ask your kids about what they learned in Sunday school. We're going to have that for elementary pretty soon, um, I, I, I think. And, and, uh, but the point is, ask each other what, what God's doing in your lives. Talk about this stuff with your kids. Show interest in, in their activities, what they're doing in life. Encourage one another. Go light on criticism. You know, look for areas to praise, bond and build identity and and have fun together. The point is, establish habitual spiritual talk in your family. Think about that, because I think a lot of families come to church and you go home and you don't hear about Jesus at all during the week. Right. There's a difference there when mom and dad actually converse about this stuff. Establish habitual spiritual talk with your family. It's very important. Be open about your own walk with your kids. Have a family competition to memorize our verses for this, this series and reward that person that does the best. You know, make them a little paper crown, have them put it on their head and then dance around them and sing some, like, song that, you know, that you all made up. I don't know. Do something fun, right? Uh, <laughs> um, next point, explore God together. It, it, maybe I should have said explore creation, God's creation together. Take a hike in nature together to experience God's wonderful, wonderful work out there. I, I can't say this enough. You guys know I'm a backpacker. You know I love to be camping. It, it is just, there's nothing, and I, I do not think that that's just for me. I think that's for all of you. I think we need to be out there uh, noticing the intricacies of, of the world around us, the vastness of creation. There's something humbling about getting out there. It something, does something to, to us. Sit on a rock and, you know, next to a creek. Stick your little tootsies in the water. It makes a difference. Great conversations happen in places like that. 
Remember, quality time is born out of quantity time. You cannot fit quality time into a busy schedule. You can't wrench it in there. It doesn't work. You've got to spend enough time together with your family, with your friends, to be able to have quality moments, right? So you need to be rested to have those quality moments. So hike the Wissahickon Trail. Swim in Devil's Pool. Not the devil, but Devil's Pool. Climb Livesey's Rock. And if you don't know what those things are, find out and go do them. Right? Because they're local. And I could list a lot more. If you want to ask where to go to do this kind of stuff, ask my wife. She knows every stinking trail, public and private, in this whole region. I mean, it's just crazy how much she knows. But we live in this rich area of, of things, plenty to do. Biking trails, hiking trails, parks, etc. and so on. I couldn't list them all if I tried. But every one of those is kid-friendly. They don't have to be long. They can be short, whatever. But let God speak to your family and to yourself through creation. It's a very, very important. And finally, again, serve together. Take Leadership Network's suggestion to find something around here to, to regularly do as a family. It would help this entire church family, and it would help your, your family as well. Greet together. Teach together. MJ had her... Uh, had Asher up here singing next to her the other day or a couple weeks back. Uh, do park cleanup or face painting through our kingdom opportunities, whatever it is. Um, but in ending, let me read this verse one more time. Start children off on the way that they should go. And remember that it's for everybody in this room. It's not just for moms and dads and grandparents and uncles and aunts. It's also for friends of families and stuff like that. Start children off on the way that they should go. And even when they are old, They will not turn from it. So living and growing up in a world where Jesus is first and we're walking with him together, most likely kids are going to have a great experience in that and uh, they're going to be more apt to walk with Jesus later in life. God's mercies are new every day, every morning, so it's never too late to start this stuff. If your kids are around, do something with them today. If your kids are grown, get on the phone, call them, Tell them about what you're going through, what you're experiencing. You know, um, tell them you love them, whatever, whatever it is, before the sun goes down tonight. Sundays are very helpful for families. I will always remember how my kids have benefited from growing up in this church and serving in this church. Even when there were no other kids around, my kids really loved you guys, and you guys really spoke into their lives. And um, choose church. Here, You're not going to like this in some of you. Choose church over sports and any other activity on Sunday. Make church first priority. Make this Sunday worship service the utmost priority. Get here because this is where it happens. This is, this is an important place, right? Um, these times are important times. Do not let the world rob you of that, right? Tanner got on a baseball team when he was younger uh, one year and, and the coach couldn't care less about church. He was very adamant about that. He put all the practices on Sunday morning. And so we said, Tanner can't come to practice. And he said, well, tough, tough cadotes, right? And so Tanner got benched that whole season and we felt horrible, right? But God's honest truth. You know, does that matter now? No, <laughs> I don't even think Tanner remembers it, right? He's pretty well adjusted. There's nothing, it wasn't so devastating that we thought it was so, you know, when we took our kids to Indonesia and we, we, we had them ministering among Muslims alongside of us, we thought they were being destroyed, but they actually, their character was actually built up. There's something about letting your kids suffer a little bit that makes a difference to them, right? 
Say no to those things. Get here with your children because this is an important time, right? Your kids will prioritize what you prioritize. If you're not prioritizing Jesus, they're not going to prioritize Jesus. Make the Lord the first and foremost thing in your life, and they will, they will most likely do the same. And finally, read chapter 5 this week, and I will pray and close us. Whew, that was 45 minutes. Sorry. Let me pray. Father, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you that you are not only uh, so deep and powerful and wonderful and we can soar in the clouds of this, uh, you know, spiritual philosophy and theology and things like that, but, but you come down to earth in a really, 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 really practical way in how we work life out together, how we love each other, how we raise our children, how we uh, care for each other, how we make a difference in this world together. And so we pray that you would bless this church in, in, in these ways, helping us to understand how to walk with you more deeply in these really simple things, talking meaningfully together, sharing you together, and uh, considering our kids our own disciples as we walk this out. 